Well, good morning. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Indeed. Happy Easter. Today is the day that we celebrate the resurrected and living Jesus Christ. And in this moment, we acknowledge that it was the love of God that caused Jesus to offer himself as a sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins and promise of eternal life. It was the love of God, and it is the love of God that continues to offer us this same new life today. Today, we're going to start a four-week series um, called Love Reigns, and in the next three weeks, we'll look at how love reigns over our past and then our present, and I bet you know what week four is, our future, about how God's amazing love can transform us in all aspects of our life. You know, sometimes people underestimate the power that love holds on us. It can inspire us to do strange and even crazy and unusual things. Like this gentleman just about a week ago who was possessed by the power of love to run on to Dodgers Field and propose to his girlfriend and then he was epically tackled to the ground by security with a proper football tackle. By the way, she did say yes after, <laughs> afterwards, after the fact. She actually said he almost jumped the gun a little bit because she was just coming back from the bathroom at that baseball <laughs> game. Love can make us do strange and powerful things. Love motivates people to travel long distances, to do things that we might not normally do, to be present for people, sometimes on the other side of the planet, to offer help or comfort in those significant moments of life. Love inspires people to take great risks far beyond the norm. Love is often the driving force behind our own acts of sacrifice for those we love, leading us to do almost anything in the moment, things that we didn't think were possible. You've heard stories of people that, in the midst of an accident, lifting a car off of a loved one in that moment, given superhuman strength. It's actually the power of love. Love is indeed powerful, and it moves us to do amazing things. Love certainly reigns. And love is at the heart of Jesus' own sacrifice. Before there was an Easter Sunday, there was a Good Friday where Jesus went to the cross. Before there was a resurrection, there was a death on a cross. And the reality for you and me is one thing. There can be only one king. There can only be one king. We'll talk a little bit more about that as we go forward. For over three decades, Jesus Christ walked the earth while serving the hungry, healing the broken, and delivering the oppressed. He did so much, and we have all this record of the things about how he lived his life and the message that he brought. He announced that the kingdom of God was at hand and that all things were being restored through him. We even read, although not as often, he sometimes tried to obscure this a little bit for at certain times, but he did claim that he was the son of God and many believed him to be the true king of kings, the king of all things. And yet all of this caused great conflict. 
conflict where Jesus lived and served, especially with the ruling empire of that day, the Roman Empire, the biggest empire in the world. Rome, in its power, had installed Herod the Great as a vassal king, kind of a lackey of Rome. They wanted to keep things under control in the land. They wanted to keep the people under their thumb. And not only a tyrant, Herod was also afraid that he would be undermined. He was increasingly paranoid that people were going to try to take his throne. Both Herod and Jesus could not reign over Israel. Any other potential king was a threat to the empire and had to be eradicated because there can be only one king. Throughout human history, this has proved true. When there have been times in human history where competing people have vied for the throne, when multiple people claim to be king or queen or ruler, it inevitably leads to power struggles, civil wars, and even outright rebellions, which force people to pick a side. We see this clearly in Jesus' own story as various religious leaders, and we've looked at some of these scriptures over the last few weeks, various leaders and authorities in the empire sought to trap him in his words. They forced a betrayal by one of his own, and they ended up arresting him. Jesus was brought to trial for his claims to be God. He was convicted and beaten nearly to death, and he was forced to carry that heavy wooden cross up the hill. And when he stumbled, they forced someone else to do it for him. So let me read a few verses this morning. Matthew chapter 27, if you have a Bible, you can open up or you can pull it up on your phone. Starting in verse 32. As they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon, and they forced him to carry the cross. They came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. There they offered Jesus wine to drink, mixed with gall, but after tasting it, he refused to drink it. When they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And sitting down, they kept watch over him there. Above his head, they placed the written charge against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Two rebels were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. And those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads. And saying, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the son of God. In the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of the law and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. In the same way, the rebels who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. These are well-known stories. We read these verses almost every year around this time. 
We know that the crucifixion of Jesus is marked by ridicule and disbelief. The soldiers mocked him. They put a sign above his head, ironically, stating that he was king of the Jews, though they didn't believe it. They didn't realize at that moment that they actually were writing and speaking the truth, even if they didn't believe it. Passerbys shouted to him, save yourself. Others went by, priests and teachers, told him to get off the cross if he really was the true king. Some perhaps that he would perform another act of power and come off the cross. But no one really understood that the real test of Jesus' power and authority was not in his ability to save himself from crucifixion, but in his ability to overcome and conquer death that was to come. On this Easter morning, this is exactly what we celebrate, the conquering of death. You know, sometimes we miss the proof of Jesus' total power and authority too because we expect him to prove himself one way or another. We want him to prove himself or to respond to us in our ways and on our time frame. And he does often respond, although sometimes in unexpected ways and in ways that we don't always understand. Sometimes this keeps people from truly trusting Jesus as the king. If you can't see Jesus as king, you have a tough time trusting that he is a king unless he does what we want or, or he acts in ways that we expect him to do. We say things like, unless Jesus heals my loved one, gives me a job, stops world hunger, punishes my enemies, or writes a clear message in the sky like a skywriter, then I'll believe in him. It's that struggle within about who or what is in control. Yet when we demand that Jesus prove himself on our terms, we rob ourselves of seeing his actual and real work in the world and in our lives. Herod and other leaders were not the only ones threatened by the idea of Jesus as king. We still have a hard time with it today. In our lives... There can only be one king on the throne. And because we like to be in control, we often like to sit. We want to be the king on the throne. And we struggle to understand why Jesus can make a difference. Whatever is on the throne of our heart is where our true king lies. It often is us, and until we get up off the throne and give it to Jesus. Things will not change in our lives and in the world. The throne of our heart sits, the one who reigns in our heart. Is that Jesus, or is it something else, or someone else? It's a choice that each of us need to make. Who is on the throne of my life? Who has authority over my heart? When we sit on the throne, we make decisions that are best for us in our own self-interest. That's part of our human nature. We tend to act on our own behalf. The other choice is to put Jesus on the throne of our lives. It's a constant temptation for us to want to sit in this most important chair. It's like this 
allure, it just keeps pulling us in because we want to be in control. We want to have the say in what happens in our lives. We live primarily for our own self-interest. That's just the reality of being human. When Jesus is truly on the throne of our lives, that is when love begins to reign. That is when we begin to listen to his leading. We live sacrificially. We start step by step to seek the good of others, even if it doesn't benefit us directly. So when it comes to the ways that we speak and act and live, yes, there can only be one king. If Jesus is dead, then none of this matters. But if he is risen as we proclaim in truth today, then everything changes. The king of all kings, the king of my heart, the king of your heart. Praise be to God. It's amazing that three days after Jesus was crucified and laid in the tomb, to everyone's shock and amazement, he appeared in bodily form, a form that people could touch and see and even smell and all those other senses. We remember the disciples that wanted to put their fingers on his wounds to make sure it was really him because he was still doing amazing things like suddenly showing up, coming through a door, eating fish, all these things. His disciples and many had seen him killed. They knew he was dead and now suddenly he was alive talking with them and walking with them and eating with them. You see, Jesus' love for humanity had defeated the last power in this world once and for all. The power of love overcame death. His resurrection is the proof that he was indeed the true king over all. It confirmed all that he had said and done while here on earth. There was a famous French artist who lost his passport one time when traveling. If you've ever lost an ID or even traveling and you misplace something, you know the panic that can happen in those moments. And in his lost passport, he got back to a border crossing and he was a famous artist. Many people knew him. And he explained the problem to a guard and he hoped that they would recognize him and let him pass, even though he didn't have his passport. The guard, however, said that many people were trying to cross the border at that time, and they were claiming to be other people. So the guard needed proof of this. The artist insisted once again that he was the man he claimed to be. So the guard said, all right, we'll give you a test. And he gave him a piece of paper and a pencil, and he said, I want you to sketch a few of those people that are standing there. And we'll see if you really are who you say you are. Little did they know that this artist was actually an accomplished caricaturist. And he did it so quickly and skillfully that the guard was convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that he was who he claimed to be. His work confirmed the word that he had given. Jesus, his work confirmed the word he had given when he rose from the dead. 
Though many doubted him and mocked him, death did not have the last word or the final say. Love did. Love overcame death. The Bible reveals this truth, this reality in one of the most famous verses of all time. Many of you might have even memorized this verse. You certainly see it in almost every sports event that's on TV, John 3.16. How does John 3.16 go? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but what? Have eternal life. God so loved the world that Jesus came to live and die and live again. This is why we can celebrate today. We have been given an opportunity, the opportunity, to receive eternal life. No matter what this life throws at us, we know that right now when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we have the first taste of eternal life. The first fruits, we sometimes call it of eternal life. Because of Jesus, the worst thing that happens to us, our death, will not be the last word because we will experience resurrection and new life. When Jesus came back, resurrected from the dead, his final words to his followers reveal to us the truth behind what happened on that first Easter Chapter 28, at the very end of the book of Matthew, this is what Jesus said. Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely... I am with you to the very end of the age. Easter is this day when Jesus was given all authority, all power on heaven and in earth. No matter how many doubted, he proved he is the king, the king of all kings. No matter how many mocked him, he was able to rescue himself and the entire world as well, just not on everyone's time frame. He did it in three days. No matter how many questioned his power, he revealed it in God's perfect timing. The power of death was broken. God's love was revealed finally as the ultimate authority and was now reigning in this world as it already was in heaven and now given the chance to reign in each of us as well. Jesus' final word to his closest followers was both a declaration and an invitation to let love reign in you. The same love that already reigned in heaven and now had been brought to earth, he says, now let love reign in you. Allow it to direct your path. Spread the word because it has the power to change the world like nothing else. And it begins first with that change in you. I'll be the first to tell you, it's not always a quick change. It's usually a long, slow, bumpy, not straight line change. 
Those of you that have walked with Jesus for a long time, you know this to be true as well. None of us are fully made, yeah. But in the process, we learn to live in new ways that actually show who is the king of our heart and of our life. This is what it means to let love reign in us. A little over 20 years ago, I finally got out of this seat. I had thought I got out of the seat earlier in my life, but I realized I was only partially out of the seat. And it was finally living in a place that was very different from where I grew up, five miles from that town that was just destroyed by a tornado a couple weeks ago, where I experienced the power of the Holy Spirit grab me and lift me out of that chair for the last time. I realized that I wasn't alone in that moment, that the power of God had so grabbed a hold or re-grabbed a hold of my heart that nothing would be the same ever again. The whole reason I'm here this morning is because of that moment. Suddenly a new path was opening up and I saw my life truly begin to change. And I know that each of you are here today, this morning, for a variety of reasons. Some of you are here and you need no more convincing. You're already all in. You got nothing to worry about. Or at least in that regards, nothing to worry about. Or maybe you're here this morning because you've trusted in Jesus before, but following him has made you tired and weary. Or you feel forgotten or alone. Like, is Jesus really here? Is that promise, I will, I will be with you to the very end of the age, is that actually happening? I want to remind you that you never have to be alone when you allow God's love to reign in you. Easter is that reminder that we can turn back to him at any time. We can turn to him even for the first time or the 500th time. If this is you today, if you're in one of those types of categories or situations, I want to remind you that Jesus' promises are still in effect today. They've never wavered once. He still loves you and is with you. So commit once again to live for him. Let his love reign in you. Some of you might be here this morning because you're here for the sake of a loved one. Maybe you've never made the choice to let God's love reign in you. Or you've been waiting for Jesus to prove himself first. Maybe it feels hard or scary to give up control in your life to Jesus, to offer him your heart as Lord and Savior and King. You know, when you sit in this chair, there's a lot of power that you hold in your life or that you think you hold in your life. It's scary to get out of the chair. Today, I want to invite you to give your life to Jesus if you never have before, to offer him your heart as Lord and Savior and King. If you're ready, then all you have to do is allow me to lead you in this short prayer. We pray, Jesus, I've lived my own way and under my own authority for for far too long. I've been sitting in this chair. I have sinned against others and against you. I'm sorry and I ask for forgiveness. I believe that you died and rose again for me. 
I welcome your spirit to continue that work and transform my life. Jesus, I put my faith, hope, and trust in you. Thank you for promising to always be with me for the rest of my days. I want to hold on to that promise now and forever. Amen. Friends, if you prayed this prayer or a version of that prayer this morning with a sincere heart, you are indeed family. God calls you family. You are a follower of Christ no matter where you are. And Jesus welcomes you and will guide you from this day forward. He also gives you permission to be a beginner in this. I remember the first day in my first real job, I came home and I was so overwhelmed. I remember my wife just saying, give yourself permission to be a beginner. It's okay. You don't have to have everything solved or figured out right away. I'll always remember those words. I think it's the same words that Jesus would give to us as well. Give yourself permission to be a beginner to be a traveler on this journey. Now strive to live each day, to let love reign in you. This Easter, may the resurrection of Jesus Christ be the conclusive proof of his love for you. Church, he is risen. He is risen indeed. Let's pray. Father, we give you praise and thanks. You deserve all honor and glory. We want your love to fill us. We want your love to reign in us and to transform all of the different aspects of who we are and how we are in this world. God, I thank you for this group of people that you have gathered here this morning by the power of your spirit. Will you fill us now and send us out prepared to be your hands and feet and heart in this world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you without blemish before the presence of his glory with rejoicing to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Amen. Go in peace.